great preacher of old, Charles Wesley, said he was so sure of his salvation, he'd swing across hell, hanging on a corn stalk, singing Blessed Assurance. And that's being sure that you're saved. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me talk to you tonight out of the book of Luke, if you would please, the book of Luke, chapter number nine, the book of Luke, chapter number nine, for just a little while tonight. And uh, I appreciate Brother Pickett uh, and uh, his love for music, his love for the Lord, his Christian testimony. I just wish you'd buy my lunch more often, but he's... Old folks went through the depression. They think it's going to come back again. So they just kind of hang on to their loot. Amen. All right. The major attitude of the average Christian today is, God, let me and you make a deal. I do this and you do that. Or you do that. And then I do this. But could I help you tonight? God's not in the deal making business. It's his way or the highway. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight out of the book of, of uh, Luke chapter 9. I'll begin reading in verse number 51. Just uh, that verse a little bit to set the context. The Bible said, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And everything that follows that verse in this chapter has to fall into the context of the urgency of the hour. He is not going to Jerusalem to be crowned, but to be crucified. He's not going to Jerusalem to sing. He's going to Jerusalem to suffer. And this is the closing, waning days of his life. And so the time for the crucifixion is set. God knows when it's going to happen. Jesus knows when it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit knows when it's going to happen. But those are the only ones that does. Although if they read the sign of the times and prophetic uh, announcements, they'd know he would die at the Passover. But they didn't see that. And so in your mind's eye, I want you to consider the fact that Jesus... Time to die is at hand. Everything that transpires from this time to Calvary has an urgency about it. What you and I have failed to do is to realize the urgency of the hour. Jesus is coming back. And just like the time was set, when the time was come, notice that verse, when the time was come, think about that. When the time was come, 
that he should be received up, that he should die, that he should hang on Calvary's cross, a specific set time when the time was come. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 4, when the time has come and the fullness of time, when the time was full, when the time was right, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law. The time is set when Jesus is going to come again. And we live as though it's not going to happen. Uh, we have things to do that's urgent to us, but not near as, as urgent to he, him. Now notice now, verse 51, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Things transpired a little bit. In verse 57, it came to pass that as he went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. What a statement. How many of us have said that and backed out? How many of us have said that at an altar maybe and before the tears ever dried from our eyes, we got other plans. Brother Sean, I'll sing next Wednesday night if something don't come up. You can count on me and the choir if something don't come up. Verse 58. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus looked at that young man who surrendered to go, to do, to hang in there. Have you really thought about what you just said? Now, your salvation is cheap, it's free, but discipleship is not. And God don't save anybody just to hang out. God has a divine purpose for everybody he saves. And that is to grow into a full-grown adult kind of Christian that is called a discipler or follower. And here we've got three individuals who's filling out an application to be a disciple. And the first one says, I don't care what's going to transpire. I don't care what happens. I don't care what you want me to do. You can count on me. Verse 59. And he said unto another, 
follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto them, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. That seems kind of cruel, you know, that Jesus don't care about funerals, but if you would notice when Jesus was confronted with death, he was always very sympathetic. But did you know that when a Jew died, Many times within two or three hours, he was in the casket and the funeral took place. Even in Syria, even today in Syria, very quickly they are entombed or buried. But the problem is, is they have certain days after that up to 15 days or so of mourning, the third day, the sixth day, and the 15th day. And so Jesus is not necessarily saying, you can't go to the funeral. He's just saying, why are you spending the time with a dead man you can't do anything about while everybody else around you dying and going to hell? Won't you just go take care of the living? Go and preach the king. That's what he said. Is that what he said? Well, that, that I, I thought you'd really be impressed with that, but verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but, now that's a Baptist word if you ever heard one. <laughs> Brother Sean, you can count on me in the choir. But I just want you to know, I, I can't make practice. Lord, you can count on me, but I just thought I'd first, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Our Father tonight, we thank you so very much and Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight as we study our Lord a meeting and conversation with these three individuals, probably young men, young men impressed with what's gone on, impressed with the healing, impressed with the miracles, impressed uh, with our Lord's life, impressed. And Father, I know we can learn a lesson tonight if we'll just uh, open our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot of difference tonight between a fan and a follower. There's a lot, of, a lot of Jesus fans, but there are very few Jesus followers. There's a lot of believers, but very few disciples. Amen? 
And so here our Lord is trying to teach us a lesson. And here he wants us to see some things I think that's very important. And I have three applicants tonight for discipleship. I have three applicants tonight I'd like to show you and present to you who come to Jesus and puts in the application uh, for discipleship. <laughs> Amen. Now, don't get mad at me. Look at it. It's in here. I didn't, I, really, I didn't write that right before I came. It's been in there a long time. Amen. It was in there 50 some years ago when they started preaching to me. Uh, and, and I believed it. And, and you know it works. Amen. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you need to go home and tell somebody you ought to have been there last night. <laughs> Amen. Watch this now. The first man, the first applicant, watch this in verse 57. Now don't forget, where's Jesus headed? What for? After he gets to Jerusalem, it's too late. You, you can't talk to him. He's, he's going to be gone. He's, he's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to raise from the dead. In just a few days, he's going to ascend into heaven. Is that not so? So time is short. Time is of the urgency. Time is of the essence. And tonight, I believe it is also true. If you watch television a while, you'll notice our world's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, we're dealing with a different culture we are than we used to. Is that not so? Folks got 10,001 things to do instead of come to church. Amen. Even Christians, even members of Joshua Baptist Church, they're just so busy. They can't make it. That it's so tired. They've been working all day. And it's so stormy in Texas this time of year. Who knows? They could come to church and they come to a hailstorm and they couldn't get home and they have to spend the night here at church because the street's too slick. But now they go to work, crawl home on their hands and knees. Bless your heart. Just because they love work more than they love Jesus. And so we have three applicants. The first one must be impressive. Down the aisle he comes. The music program has been wonderful. It's been enthusiastic. It's been high. And everybody's ready to shout, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> Look what a time we got. We're going to take applicants tonight for a disciple. Oh, really? And verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now, it might make us think that the young man said that before he knew where Jesus was going. And the reason why he was going there. He was not going to Jerusalem to make it a better city. He's not going to Jerusalem to reign. He's going to Jerusalem to die. And this young man says, wherever you're going, you can count on me. I'll go with you. Do you think that young man thought that out real good? 
Do you think maybe that young man might have made a hallelujah, whoopee, emotional decision? Do you think that young man might try to impress Jesus and all the others that might have been standing around the disciples that was with him before he really thought out where Jesus was going? Look at all of our empty pews tonight. Do you think maybe there's some ill thought out decisions amongst the people of God today? Dear God, if you'll just bless me, I'll do it. You can watch television. They talk about wealth and health. Bless me kind of theology. I wonder how many folks would be a disciple if they knew it might cost them their job. I wonder how many would be a disciple if it caused a few family problems around the house. Because it does. You know that, don't you? And here is a young man who has made a, an emotional decision. This is a foolish statement made by a foolish individual who has no earthly idea what he's talking about. Lord, if I can get in on what you're doing, I'll go with you wherever you want me to go. But does he really know where he's going and what is going to take place? You see, thank God salvation is free, but discipleship is not. You say, now I don't know if I, I believe that or not. Well, why don't you just turn back a page and look at verse 23 of the same chapter. And the Bible said, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall uh, lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what, it, for what a man advantage if he shall gain the whole world and lose himself and he be cast away. This young man just developed a good case of hoof and mouth disease is what he did. Because he failed to count the cost. And so many professing believers do the same thing today. They tell God certain things and they back out halfway through it. They make an emotional decision and not a rational decision by faith. 
because they failed to count the cost. Look at verse 51. The Bible says this. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. There wasn't any backing out. In the garden, he did not back out. When sin's weight began to weigh heavy on him in the garden as he prayed and as the weight of sin began to get heavy and he prayed and from his pores fell, as it were, great drops of blood in anguish. He said, Father, if there's any way in the world we can do this without me doing Calvary, I wish you could do it. But nevertheless, you remember what he said? Thy will be done. Calvary was a necessity. Calvary was an appointment. Calvary was in the mind of God way back yonder when our forefathers disobeyed God and fell deeply in sin. And so the time now has come. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And I don't think he meant he had time to monkey around with emotional professors who don't mean what they say. I see so many folks. I used to serve God. I'd gag a maggot. I used to teach a Sunday school class. Or I used to. I, do you know how much use you are if you're a used to wuzzer? Disciples don't quit. They take the long look. They don't take the immediate look. They take a long look, if you please. And this man failed to take the long look. He said, I'll go with you wherever you go. Wait a minute. Do you know where I'm going? So many today fail to take the long look in marriage. Well, for better or worse, until it gets worse. For richer or poor, until somebody richer comes along. In sickness and health, when you start changing geographically and your body starts moving in directions you had no idea it was going to go, and all of a sudden, well, I don't love them anymore. People today have no idea how to take a long look and hang in there for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. You said, you don't understand. My wife, she's getting old. Well, what about you, Slick? Are you the only one that ain't getting old? Well, she's ugly. Have you looked at you lately? You see, the first applicant was an emotional guy. He might have spoken tongues if he had gigged him right. But they failed to take the long look in marriage, Joining the church, changing churches, church ministries. Poor Brother Sean, he run around here like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to dodge every teacher he's got for fear they're going to quit next Sunday. 
Man, what time do we have choir practice? 5.30. You know what time the choir members are usually asleep? 5.35. But they'll show up on Sunday morning with their pearly whites a-shining. I don't know the choir special, but we're there. Preacher, you're going to make me mad. I'm trying. You say, I don't like that. I don't believe I would either if, if I told God I'd do something, but now I'm too busy to do it. I'm just saying, God, don't save us to become physical experts. God saves us to be disciples, followers to the finish. Amen. There was a time around here that I did all the special singing. You say, how did it go? Well, we lost a lot of members. <laughs> you know something? I can still do it. And if you cannot do what you say you're going to do, don't say it, and I'll just line out to do it. Hmm? Now, if you're signed up for working in the nursery, and just because my grandkids in there, you back out because they're so stinking mean. Don't sign up for it. This is not an emotional situation. It's the ministry of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the most important thing that happens in this city on Sunday and on Wednesday is what's going on right here. And if you sign up to sing and you don't sing, guess what? You're going to have a lot of time to practice. You sign up for the nursery and you don't go in the nursery I'm going to pray that you get lice. Not on you, on your neighbor. That way you'll be afraid that you're going to get them. Let's get serious. Discipleship is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time and effort and, uh, and, and your talent. Discipleship is not emotional. Discipleship is commitment. This first applicant said, you can count on me, but he didn't count the cost. Second one, watch this. You say, well, I didn't like that first one. Me neither. It hurt me worse when I was studying it and God giving it to me. See, the bad thing about preaching is it gets preached to me by the main man. <laughs> You hear me? And I'm just delivering a message to you that he gave me 
back yonder in a study. Yonder in a pickup truck. Out at the farm or out at the ranch. I'm just delivering a message to you tonight. That your salvation is free. Thank God, thank God it's free. But from there on out, it's going to cost you something. Cost you time. Cost you talent. Effort. Tears. Fifty-nine, verse fifty-nine. The Bible said, and he said unto another, Follow me, but he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. We could talk about burying the father and all that kind of stuff. Here's the main thing. Suffer me first. Lord, I'm going to make you first right after me. But first, suffer me. With four little kids, three of them still in diapers. With two two 22 men counting on me to provide for their families. I made a mistake. I went to a missions conference one night. And during the invitation... I felt like God wanted me to preach the gospel. And I stepped out the aisle and walked down the aisle and said, Lord, you can count on me. And since that time, there's been a lot of but first in my life. Amen. As a babe in Christ, I was willing to charge hell with a water pistol. And I charged and I found out I didn't have any water. Then I had to say, Lord, but first. Huh? Deep down in my soul, though, I realized somebody had to be first. Either me or him. Amen. And I want to help you tonight. I don't, it's just going to be a lot better off. When our priorities is in the right place. Now I wish I'd have thought of this, but. I read a letter today from a church member who was writing to the pastor. It says, Dear Pastor, you often stress attendance at worship as being very important for a Christian. But I think a person has a right to miss now and then. I think every person ought to be excused from the fo- for the following reasons and the number of times indicated. Christmas, Sunday before or after. New Year, party lasted too long. 
So it's okay to miss Sunday if the party was too long. Easter, well, that's the getaway holidays. July 4th, national holiday. It's excused absent the church. Labor Day, you just need to get away. School closing, kids need a break. School opens, one last fling. Have you ever heard of this? Time changes. Spring ahead, fall back. Didn't set my clock. That's excusable. Special on TV, Super Bowl. Everybody need got an excuse to miss Super Bowl Sunday. Family reunions. Well, my family and the wife, that's two Sundays. Sleep late. Saturday night activities sometimes just gets out of hand. Deaths in the family. Everybody's excused when somebody died in the family. Anniversary. Well, gotta have a second honeymoon. How come ain't nobody smiling? I thought this was pretty good. Sickness in the family. Each member is allotted one, one Sunday. Business trip, it's a must. Vacation, three weeks. Bad weather, ice, snow, rain, or cloudy. Now, Pastor, this only leaves two Sundays a year. So you can count on me being in church on the fourth Sunday of February and the third Sunday of August, unless providentially hindered. Signed, a faithful church member. The only problem is it's truth. Hmm? Jesus calls a man to be a disciple. And when he does, he calls us, number one, to count the cost, and number two, to leave it all behind. Amen? Because he said, watch this, Let the dead bear the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And it's strange that before I got saved, I did not have an opportunity, one, not one, to start my own business. And after I got saved, I've had numerous of financiers wanting me to start a business with them. And that amazing. Think maybe the devil knows what he's doing? How many Christians do you know? How many preachers do you know that's got a secondary obligation, money-making opportunity? 
I thought I read today that preach the gospel should do what? Live of the gospel. The devil will do anything to get you sidetracked. Come on now. He'll use the kids. He'll use the wife. He'll use the husband. He'll use the job. He'll use the sports. He'll use Little League. He'll use everything in the world to just get you out of your Bible and get you sidetracked on something to keep you from becoming a disciple. Got a lot of fans. We don't have a lot of followers. Amen. What's a fan? Oh, a fan is always there when you're winning. <laughs> it's amazing how cowboy fans come and go. You ever notice that? They're just according to who's the quarterback or who's the running back or something else. Uh, you know, my wife used to watch the Mavericks. And she'd tag me along with her on that television, you know, because it's kind of hard to watch one television and watch a Western and a ball game at the same time. And I'm such a good Christian. I always give over to her and say, I watched the Mavericks, you know, and while old Dirk was shooting all them three-pointers. And then they started losing. And we started watching Westerns again. (laughs) Well, I think they got a player now, number 77. Is that right? Huh? I don't know what to call him, Lucas or Lunar or, or something. Well, there went my western. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fans again, amen. But you know, a lot of folks that way with Jesus. You know, they're fans. Hey, God bless them and I love them and I want to help them and I want to encourage them. But uh, Jesus ain't in the fan business. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you a good daddy. Follow me and I'll make you a Bible kind of husband. Follow me and I'll make your family harmonious. And follow me and I'll make you, follow me, follow me, and I'll make you a disciple. Amen. First applicant developed hoof and mouth disease and was just emotional in his commitment. Second one was a futuristic follower. Well, I'll go anywhere you want me to, but first let me go back to the house. I'll close with this. You said you should have closed a little while ago. I did. You just woke up again. Follow me. Count the cost. Follow me. Leave it behind. Thirdly, Verse 61, another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Earthly detractions. Follow me. Don't look back. You know what Israel's problem was in the, in the wilderness? They couldn't get Egypt out of their mind. They liked those leeks and garlic. Can you imagine how that bunch of Jews must have smelled? 
three and a half million Jews and all of them eating onions and garlic and leeks. <laughs> no wonder they, God sent them some quail. They needed some seasoning, right? <laughs> but they could, yeah, they could not get Egypt out of their mind. In Numbers, chapter 14, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, it talks about murmuring and complaining. You brought us out here to die in the wilderness. Would to God that we had not left Egypt. And then they got some cohorts together and organized the movement to get guys to take them back to Egypt. They just could not get Egypt out of their mind. You know what Lot's problem was? Lot got out of Sodom, but he couldn't get Sodom out of Lot. You know, he picked a place just like a place he left down in Egypt. He looked at it well watered like it was down in Egypt. Looked just like it. You know what's wrong with a lot of Baptist folk? We can get you out of the world, but we just can't get the world out of you. You know where these are tonight? They're in the world someplace. They're watching something important like Fox News. Dear God, if you watch it for an hour, you've seen everything going to happen this week. Third guy, Lord, I'll go. I close with this. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this agricultural society, they didn't have a John Deere tractor with air conditioning like Andrew's got. See, I was raised, I was raised on a farm where that your view all day long was the rear end of a mule tied to a plow with lines and you chased that mule and that plow through the fields all day long. I swore to God, if I ever got old enough and wealthy enough, I'd buy me a mule. And I'd look him eye to eye the rest of his life. And you know, I bought a mule. His name was Possum. And I bought another one. His name was Armadillo. Isn't that what his name was? Diller. Diller. Well, that's short. That's, that's Greek. For armadillo. <laughs> and, and every once in a while, I'd just go down and take the mule by the ear and just look at him. I said, if you turn around to me, I'll kill you. I'm not looking at the rear of a mule no more because I have chased one of them things through them cornfields and tobacco patches all day long. And you just go one row and right back down, you go back down another row, look at that mule. Now the key is, is to keep your balance. Because you balance the plow. And the lines is in your hand to keep the mule's head in the right direction. Now, when you turn around and see what kind of job you're doing, the plow is no longer guided, you're no longer balanced, and the mule is no longer in the row, but now you look back and you notice you're plowing up Whatever you're plowing, not weeds, you've just rent the crop. You can't look back. If you look back, you destroy what you've done so far. 
I was out in Brownwood and a fellow had a tractor and he had a 16-row cultivator. And I said, man, that is great. I'd kind of like to drive this thing. I've never seen anything like this. And so I got in the tractor and started driving. And I looked back. And watched that 16-row cultivator. Guess how many rows I tore up? 16 rows. Huh? No man having put his hand to the plow, committed to our Lord, been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, here I am, Lord. You can count on me. I worked that bus. I love them bus kids. I'll pray that God will call them the mission field. I'll teach that kid I'll sing the choir. And then you look back and tear up more than you've ever done for God in your life. God help us. Count the cost. What's it do to your kids? When you stay home. What's it do to your kids when you talk about the pastors? What's it do to the family when you talk about somebody else in the church? You need to count the cost. Count the cost. Leave that junk behind. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. That's what he said. Amen. And don't look back. Amen. Amen. Don't look back. I ain't lost nothing back yonder. I haven't lost anything in the world. Amen. The world ain't got anything in me except heartache and hurt. I think I'll just follow Jesus. I think I'll just stay in my Bible. I'll stay on my knees. Stay after sinners. And hope my grandkids... We'll see a man that's real. That's real. Because I've got some grandkids is going to need to see somebody real. I know you know this already happened and my daughter will probably get mad at me again. But this week, my wife brought Brother Barrett to church. And when you get Brother Barrett and uh, Brother Thomas and uh, then there's that other North Carolina rug rat, you know, Dylan. We don't get much done at the church, but we sure do a lot of babysitting. My wife got busy the other day. That's unusual. And I don't know if you know this or not. But we have installed in our church an emergency alarm that goes directly to the police department in case somebody was to rob us of that $2 offering we had last week. We take all precautions. And uh, Brother Barrett 
don't mind pushing buttons. I don't even know where the dumb button is, but Barry does. And it won't take him long to discover it either. And so Brother Barrett was here the other day, and he thought we needed a great, big, burly-looking cop to come see us. So he pushed yonder button. And my wife had to explain to the police department that Brother Barrett was kind of out of hand temporarily. (laughs) But what's unreal is the button is right by my wife's desk and Brother Barrett was being punished. He was put in the corner. My advice to my wife, don't punish Barrett next to the button (laughs) that calls the police. (laughs) Aren't you glad we're all just sinners saved by grace? Aren't you glad we're just all sinners saved by grace? Man, I tell you, my six grandkids that lives here and two more that lives here, my eight grandkids needs an example. And there's nothing in this world more important to me than my grandkids seeing a real live, honest to goodness disciple of Jesus Christ.